Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Agency Hacker. I'm Lance Johnson, your co-host, and I'm here today with Todd Nilsson. He is the president and community strategist at Clock Tower Advisors. Todd, welcome to the show. Hey, Lance. Thanks for inviting me to be on. Yeah, it's so exciting to learn a little bit more about a fellow Midwesterner and find out there's a Frank Lloyd Wright house just a hop, skip, and a jump away in Two Rivers, Wisconsin. So plug for the tourist community of Two Rivers. Yeah, you know what? Two Rivers, Wisconsin is a great little city. I've been living here for about the past four or five years, and it was a very welcoming community. Um, there's a uh, there's a vibrant and growing sense of entrepreneurship uh, in this area. Mm-hmm. So a lot of small business owners, a lot of startups uh, in this uh, in this particular area. And uh, yeah, one of our claims to fame is a Frank Lloyd Wright house called Still Bend, uh, stillbend.com. And uh, they are one of the few Frank Lloyd Wright uh, residences where you can stay overnight or, or book a stay there. And um, a really beautiful, beautiful residence. Two Rivers itself has got a lot of natural beauty and woodlands. We're right on Lake Michigan here. Uh, nice. So I, I get the distinction of being able to walk out on the beach every morning with my wife. <laughs> um, yes, we do it in the middle of winter as well, uh, but it's, wow. it's absolutely beautiful. And to see the changes of the season and to see the lake and like when you live by a big body of water like this, I don't know if, you know, in uh, the Twin Cities, if you get to kind of see anything like this, but the water is so changeable on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible to see. That's fascinating. And you said you had started out in Milwaukee, right? And you're doing work at a professional services firm and then made the jump up to Two Rivers. Did you move to Two Rivers before you started Clock Tower Advisors or after yeah, no, great question. I actually did start Clock Tower Advisors when I was living in Milwaukee, and it had uh, some influence on the name of the company. Um, oh. So, uh, anybody who's lived in uh, in Milwaukee in the downtown area uh, may be familiar with uh, Rockwell Automation, and they've got um, uh, this beautiful um, four sided illuminated clock tower dial. Uh, mm. that's, uh, that, that it's just, it's over it's kind of on the South side of the downtown. Um, but it's, uh, really kind of an impressive edifice. You can see it from the highways you're coming into or leaving, um, the city. And, um, and it was something in the back of my mind when I was naming the, the agency that, um, made me start thinking about like, what's the place of the clock tower in the history of towns and in communities, um, as, a it was sort of a, a marker for the town square. Um, it was a place that marked sort of the commons for conversations. And it was a technology that helped to regulate the day-to-day life of medieval and into the present day, you know, kinds of towns and, and marketplaces. But it was a technology that faded into the background. And that's the way that I like to think about the kinds of technologies that I work with to build communities and online spaces. And so it made a nice convenient metaphor um, for, for naming the company and kind of going forward from there. Oh, that's neat. Well, now you got to tell us what Clock Tower Advisors does. Yes, yes. So I, I kind of backed into that the, the wrong way, but um, yeah, so Clock Tower Advisors is a consultancy uh, that helps organizations from startups through Fortune 100s to build uh, thriving online community spaces. And by that, I don't mean a thriving TikTok community necessarily. Um, while you could potentially build a community on one of the big social platforms, you could have a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group or something like that. More often than not, I'm counseling uh, the customers that I work with to build something that's more of a private label 
community or social network kind of setting. And so there are literally dozens, if not hundreds of tools that can be used to do this. Um, but helping organizations to think about how they're going to plan and launch and talk about and, uh, and engage um, either their customers or their stakeholders or their partners um, in these kinds of spaces. That's my stock and trade. That's what I am passionate about and what I love to do. Um, and, and the reason I do it is, uh, you know, I, I don't think anyone has ever ended up in the community professional space. Yes, it is a space, um, that is, uh, that, that, that ended up here, you know, on purpose. I think, I think everybody ended up in, in sort of this role by accident. Uh, and my career has really been a series of happy accidents. And this, this is, this is the culminating one as far as I'm concerned. Um, but, uh, you know, really kind of building, uh, those those great community experiences has to do with um, thinking in advance about what brings people together, what's in it, what's in it for the people who are going to participate, um, ensuring that it's a safe space, and really helping organizations articulate what's going to be valuable um, for them over time. That's so interesting. And your happy accident aside matches up extremely well with almost every other guest I have on the show, where people couldn't have mapped it. Yeah, if you look, so it went back 20, 30, 40 years and you said, okay, here's where I think I'm going to be. It was almost never where they are, <laughs> but there's a lot of happy accidents that happen. There's a, a bit of serendipity we plug into. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in serendipity. I, I always, uh, my, my, my wife always kind of, you know, teases me that I, I sort of luck my way into things, but I, you know, I think we make our own luck and, and, uh, I've always considered myself a, you know, a sailor on the seas of adventure. Like what's the, what's the next opportunity? What's the next thing that comes along that, that looks fun and interesting. And I think why community building has fit me so well is I, I came out of that world of, you know, gathering people together and finding ways to relate them to each other. I was a recruiter for 15 years before I entered oh, into this okay. space. And so this was actually a natural extension of convening people and companies and helping them to see what they have in common and how they can make meaningful choices professionally and for their careers. So I don't know if I'm quite kidding the idea of how uh, business would use community right now or what, what the use case would be. Do you have an example client or someone where you could say, here's how XYZ company did it and that might help help me understand a little better what you mean when you say building community. Yeah, there are almost there are almost too many examples to to share with you, but um, you know, some some that are uh, maybe top of mind for you would be like the Lego Mindstorm community, a place where yeah. people come together and share their creations, um, have challenges and contests. It's ways to deepen appreciation for Lego as a brand and um, to celebrate the people that are creative uh, within those spaces. There's the, the Fitbit community for people that are Fitbit users, where they can come in, share diets, share challenges, um, participate in events with um, dietitian and exercise experts. Um, there are uh, communities of support uh, run by the, the Mayo Clinic. Um, and, uh, and one of my clients said that the Truth Initiative, um, which are about um, helping people who are dealing with addiction or a severe health issue to find tips, ideas, supports, and treatments um, that work for themselves. There are uh, you know, all kinds of uh, support communities out there for um, you know, technical tools and platforms. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, many entrepreneurs 
um, are taking a community-led approach uh, these days. In other words, creating either a Slack channel or a Discord, like if you live in the Web3 world, um, yep. or uh, building, uh, you know, uh, just a, a, a private community space to talk about or get feedback on their products. Um, or to really connect with their super fans um, right out of the gate and build a build a groundswell of a following. And then there are communities of practice uh, that are out there, professional communities of people who are either you know, medical professionals or scientists or engineers um, who really just want to connect with other people in their tribe and understand how to further their profession or to bring their ideas to light and to um, get interaction from their peers to create even better, cooler stuff. Uh, that they do. Okay, I'm just skimming across the surface here, man. But th- that that maybe gives you a couple of ideas of use cases that um, that I help organizations with. That makes sense. And so it would be like a company says, "We'll just take Agency Hacker, right?" We say, "Okay, we are talking to marketing agency owners, and we want to help them connect better." Uh, and you say, "Okay, here's the platform you could use. Right? They're as sim- simple as Discord, and as complicated as." I don't remember what the old social network thing was, but I remember in like 2009, you oh. could create your like Ning or something. Yeah, you're talking about Ning. In fact, Ning is still around, I believe. Uh, but uh, so yeah, there's a variety of, uh, oh my gosh, there's so many out there. Some of the more popular ones today that uh, maybe some of your listeners uh, would, would have run into would be things like um, Circle or Mighty Networks or Tribe or Disciple. Um, there's sort of this new generation of, I think, more turnkey kinds of community platforms that, you know, they're showing up on, on AppSumo and, uh, and, and product oh, hunt, yeah. um, where yeah. you can maybe get, you know, you can pay a one-time fee and get like a year's subscription, um, out of nice. these. And it's just a nice way to start building a constituency among your, your top followers and, uh, and start thinking about yeah. ways to engage them. And then how do you get folks on there? Right. I imagine you say, okay, we've got this email list of people or, past customer list and we send an invite. Um, but how, if you were saying, all right, we know that this group exists and we don't have them currently in our world. Is that a use case where you'll try to get them connected into the uh, yes, smaller community or is yeah. it only like past customers kind of thing? You know, uh, there's a lot of different ways to slice what you're, what you're describing. Um, and you know, one way is certainly, I mean, to send out to your, if you've got a mailing list, that's the beginnings of a potential community, um, that you could invite them into the space if you're, but, um, you know, there's some homework that you've got to do upfront. So whenever I'm engaged, um, to work with a customer, a lot of the upfront work, um, I put it in terms of this, like if you were in school and you had to write an essay. Uh, during during a class, and it was a it was a, uh, something that you know it was a topic matter that you knew, but um, rather than just sitting down and writing it, um, you're going to spend maybe about the first half to three quarters of that class time that you've got to write the essay, planning out what you're going to say, what's the outline of what it's going to be, how's it going to how's it going to work, what are, you, what are your main points you're going to land on, how are you going to conclude, and then in the last part of the class, you're furiously writing um, to to get it to get it to point of completion. I take the same viewpoint of community building. There's some upfront homework that, that you need to do. Um, there's a exercise that I go through to build a community charter. Um, that is, uh, you know, if you've, if, if you're uh, listeners or you're familiar with sort of the business model canvas, um, you know, the same kind of idea, um, that we would want to put into place, which would be, um, let's create a canvas that describes 
the purpose of your community, not just for yourself, but for your members, who your ideal members of that community space are going to be. Are they, your, are they your prospects? Are they your customers? Are they partners? Is it all of the above? And if so, who do we go after first? Um, what are the goals of that community? Like, how are you going to know when you're successful? Having some hard metrics and numbers around that are important to know. Not only is the community itself healthy, but is it driving towards some business goals that you stated for yourself? And are you are you tracking to those kinds of, of results? Uh, and then, like really important stuff, like uh, you know how it, you know is the community going to monetize? Are you charging for some things like special events or access to? to people or areas within that space? Are you offering, like what kinds of experiences are you offering uh, within that space? When I come in and I join this space, it's just, is, am I coming into sort of this area where it's, eh, so what, you know, you know, you, you want to give them some kind of guidance about like, well, what do I do first? Where do I go first? What, what are some great resources for me to see here? Those, these communities, as you build them, they need to offer something unique and valuable um, to the people coming in. And so it becomes important then as we start answering some of these questions to get into some one-on-one conversations with customers. And again, you know, great opportunity to have direct interviews, qualitative interviews with customers to find out um, what are their internet usage habits? You know, where, where do they go? Do they belong to any other communities? Are they active on any social media platforms? What is it that attracts them to those platforms? What kind of content do they tend to interact with? And so as you start to tease out some of these things, you start to understand and be able to make some educated guesses about the kinds of content, conversations, and events, and activities that you could be running within that private community space. Because as I said a little bit earlier, your social media, while it can be your community, I think of those as sort of like the outer chambers of a Nautilus shell and that private Mm. community experience is really the central chamber um, in in the middle. And you want to draw those, those, those customers in there because you get better metrics, you get a better understanding, and it's more of a safe space to have those conversations with just other people that are interested in the stuff that, that, that you're interested in at the same time. That makes so, sense. So I, I love to build those kinds of plans and experiences for organizations and then really mentor them through the process of getting it launched and getting it to a point where it's really thriving and healthy and an exciting space to be in. That's neat. And with the community engagement side, uh, how do you find the hyper responders or the content creators? I don't know if this is accurate for most communities, but uh, it seems like you know most of us are lurkers. Um, some of us are lurkers and likers and some yep. of us are writers or video producers or whatever. And it, it's a very small percentage that seems to create the content that I like. I might go on Twitter and I don't tweet very often, but I go on all the time. Right. And, right. Uh, right. You know, and so I feel like I engage more passively than actively. Do you find it the case for a lot of communities as well, that there's a few active engagers or is it pretty well spread out. Absolutely. This is an evergreen conversation among community professionals. How do we get our people more engaged within these spaces? Yeah. How do we get our super users? How do we get our regular contributors into the space? And uh, so, so part of it is those upfront interviews. Uh, as you're talking to 5, 10, 15, 20 um, of those customers, you're earmarking the ones that, that are identifying themselves as being more uh, pro-social, uh, more, more likely to be contributors within the space. And 
those are the people you're going to go back to because like you, you need a core of, I would say five to 15 of those people when you're launching the community to yeah. be what I call your willing accomplices. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, these are, these are the people that are already positively disposed towards your brand or service offering, what you, what you, what you're looking to promote. And they've expressed some enthusiasm for the vision of what you want to create in that community space. And these communities tend to be a little more casual and a little more insidery than what you'll find on social media spaces. And so inviting them into that with the backstage pass and giving them some kind of title like founder or core member uh, mm. is often a bit of motivation for them to be you know, a little bit more involved with what's there. And then because you've established a bit of that relationship with them to be able to reach out and say, look, I'm going to post about this question in the community that may be key to your interest as a guitar player. Um, it would be really great. When I do this, I'm going to add mention you, you know, please be looking for this. And then if you can jump in and respond, what we were trying to do is to get some modeling of the behaviors we want to see in that yeah. community so that others will jump in and we could, it's, it's human nature. We tend to mimic each other. And so, it, you know, as, as one person, you know, responding, they'll set the tone for how other people respond within the space. Yeah. So it's really critical to select those early people um, very early on. Um, there's, um, there's, there's a book, uh, David Spinks, uh, who's one of the, the, the luminaries in the community professional space. He, he writes about this in the business of belonging, like really taking some care, selecting those, those early participants um, within the community. And, and you're right, like that, that it's the 90, the 99, one rule of 90% of the people that go in this space are going to be passive, you know, consumers of, of what you've got. And then the other 10% are either going to sometimes contribute, maybe 1% are going to be your super regular con contributors, like your super users. Um, what we're finding, what we're trying to shoot for, like the, 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 the standards that I'm seeing in most of the research that's come out of like, uh, uh, CMX or the Community Roundtable, um, which are two um, of the think tank uh, kinds of organizations, you know, in the community space, is you're, you're shooting for somewhere between maybe twenty and thirty percent of monthly active users. In other words, they're coming into the platform and they're contributing something in some way. They're either updating their profile or they're posting a question or they're uploading a resource or a picture, or they're responding to somebody else. Those are your actives um, within the space. So I think the numbers are a little better than 99 and one. It's maybe a little closer to like, you know, 80 and 20%, and like a more of a Pareto principle sort of rule, what you would see in the space. That makes sense. That's really fascinating. And so at Clock Tower, is it something where you offer individual consulting or uh, is it more of the agency model where you have a team that helps deploy all these things? How do you all serve your clients? Yeah, that, that, that's the journey I'm on, Lance. Uh, so uh, I started Clock Tower back in 2015. And originally it was when I stepped out of the agency world and said, I need a little more control over my time and schedule. I had some personal stuff. My parents were getting a little older and I wanted to be able to take care of them and have the flexibility you know, to, to, to do that. But I still loved the community space. So I started the company and, um, and it was uh, originally uh, so that I could work with uh, a, another practitioner in the space, Richard Millington of Feverbee, who is an amazing, brilliant guy. Um, and, but he was based out of London. And I needed to have a vehicle 
um, to be able to bill to him. And, you know, I wasn't going to work directly with him because then there's sort of immigration issues and, you know, payment and all that uh, stuff. I, I, I needed yeah. my own, I needed my own ship to sail on. Um, plus I was sort of thinking in the back of my mind, well, you know, I don't know how well this is going to work out. So I need, I need to make sure that I've got something that I can continue, you know, having billable time in, or if I have other kinds of projects that come up. Um, and as it turned out, that was, that was a good idea. Uh, you know, I, I worked pretty much full time, uh, with Richard, um, for about a year and a half after I, I launched the business. But, um, about a year in, uh, I started seeing, well, there was a little bit of a softening in the, in the community space space at that time. And, um, I started making some contacts with some other, uh, with some other potential customers. And so I ended up uh, you know, as those conversations evolved and as things were sort of slowing down a bit um, with with that firm, I just ended up diversifying uh, a little further. And so um, for me, um, I had the best of all worlds. I, I, I had really kind of my anchor client um, for all t- intents and purposes as, as a, at that time. And and uh, you know, left on very good terms with Richard. He and I are still still colleagues and 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 talk to each other on a fairly regular basis. Um, but um, but then I was able to kind of move out into some other uh, into some other work. And I'm sorry, it's a long winded answer to your question, but hey, this um, is great. Yeah. Uh, but I started as a as a solo practitioner, really in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened in practice, though, was um, I very quickly. Um, started thinking about like, well, I, I, I want to expand beyond just me. And it, and I think that was from the start kind of in the back of my mind, because I could have called it, you know, Todd Nielsen community consulting, yeah. you know, or, or something like that. You know, you've got the Neil Patels of the world and, and, yeah. uh, and, and, and others who kind of go to market with their name. But I, I went with a company name because I originally hoped that it would be something more than just me uh, around it. And so uh, what that's evolved into, you know, over time has been a couple of experiments with just having some corp to corp kinds of relationships, um, just some other consultants who I would partner with. Uh, and so having that flexibility, it being a gig economy, uh, you know, I think that that didn't add to my overhead. Um, yeah. I, I have, uh, I have flirted with, uh, you know, and brought on an intern or two. Um, over time that I actually did bring onto payroll. Um, but what I've found most recently has been most successful is, um, you know, I've hired a virtual assistant to help with some of the social media, some of the podcast, you know, vi- I do live streaming on, on YouTube and, uh, having somebody to organize that has been a lifesaver for me. I finally realized I was big enough that I needed to do that. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, for my own sanity. And then, uh, and then I have, uh, someone who's helping me part time, uh, Deb shell who, uh, has been a community practitioner and has an amazing background as a journalist and as a creator, um, who had, uh, her own, uh, her own consultancy called find calm here. Uh, and, uh, she's, uh, graciously and, uh, thank goodness for her, you know, come on and been a backup for me, you know, with a number of my customers that I'm working with. And I'm, we're, we're now in this point where, uh, I'm, I'm really trying more aggressively to grow the business out so that there's more for both of us, you know, to do, and then I've got room to expand, um, even further. I, ideally I'd like to kind of be at a point where it's going to be between five and 10 consultants. I think that, I think that's a nice size agency. Um, yeah. you've got, you, you can really kind of attend a culture, um, with, with that size of a group and, but you can still have like, uh, 
I think very good um, income billable time, you know, with, uh, with, with that size of a organization as well. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I really like your model of avoiding fixed expenses because I feel like even if someone's a W2 employee, right, it doesn't mean that we have to say no matter what you get this salary, but can be pretty project-based even as a W2 person. Mm-hmm. And it's been way more peaceful for us and our agency to say, look, you know, maybe we have full-time work right now, but just so you know, this is this is a project-based position that as you saw with your first partner, that things sometimes soften and it's not necessarily anybody's fault. Nobody's doing anything crazy, but I think people can plan easier too if they know what to expect. I was very cognizant of that. Um, having grown up through, uh, through consulting firms and organizations, I've been pretty much in consulting my entire career and, um, and particularly in IT services firms that would maintain a uh, a bench, you know, as they would call it, yeah. you know, if, yeah. if the people weren't billable and you, you can't carry people for that long on a bench or it kills any of the profitability of the organization. Exactly. Um, so having a flexible model where you've got independents who understand that there's ebb and flow, like for me, uh, this has been one of the things that I've always seen, you know, the make and break of being a consultant and doing this work is being okay with the ups and downs of the business. You, you don't yeah. always have full utilization and you need to yep. be ready to fill in those valleys with thought leadership and, you know, building and rebuilding, uh, you know, as you go. And if you, if you don't have that in your makeup, if you're, oh, if you're stressed and you need that regular paycheck, you probably shouldn't be in the consulting space. That's, that's, yeah. that's not the right thing. <laughs> kind of lumpy like you you can do i was reading this book and it talked about the himalayas and how uh entrepreneurships are more like living in the himalayas and um other jobs are more like living in i don't know what's a smaller mountain range appalachians or something right i'm yeah. from virginia so i think of our little <laughs> mountains over there there's always going to be peaks and valleys but mm-hmm. sometimes they get a little exaggerated and i think as an entrepreneur things get a little exaggerated you get some real high highs and the lows might feel lower um, but I love that. Yeah, I love that. that. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah, it was not original, but when I heard it, I thought, oh, this this really sticks. So with the, you mentioned this a little bit, you know, you're thinking of how to grow, but what, uh, what are you learning right now to move Clocktower Advisors forward? Yeah, so a couple of amazing things have happened over the past year or so. Um, you know, for, for me, um, during the first, I'd say, five to six years of the business, um, I always was sort of uh, taking the stance of, I don't have any, I don't have any partners, I don't have any channel partners with what I do. Like I, I want to be above the fray in terms of recommending community platforms, um, you know, that I that I work with, um, and and I mean, I knew that there's no such thing as objectivity uh, around that, but I didn't sure. want, I didn't want it there to appear to be appear to be any kinds of conflicts of interest with what I with what I do. Uh, when, when the pandemic hit and I started thinking about my business and thinking about where I wanted to go forward, um, you know, I thought back to the agency that I worked with that had some partnerships with, um, well, it was Jive Software back at the time, and then they partnered with Salesforce. And that was a real source of leads for them and, uh, and yeah. new project work. And so I said, well, you know what, if I do this on my terms and I set up an ecosystem of partnerships, as long as I'm being very transparent about what those partnerships are, as customers are making decisions, I don't I don't know that they're going to care that much 
about it. As long as I'm being really clear, like, you know, I will probably benefit financially if you pick these platforms over others. As long as you know about that, you you know that, you know, I'm not going to try to steer you one way or another, but, you know, you, Mr. Client, Mrs. Client, you're, you know, um, you're ultimately making the decision um, about this. Um, I can give you pros and cons uh, for all these platforms. Yeah. And I think in practice, that's worked out really well. Um, but learning how to work uh, with partners, I think, is uh, a really important lesson. It's an ongoing lesson. Um, you know, understanding who's going to work well as a partner, how communicative are they, how many opportunities do they give you for co-branding, um, what you do. Um, and I think a partner that's patient enough to see things come about, because when you're, uh, you know, a little one, two person shop, um, you know, you're not always, you're not going to get a volume of referrals, um, for these kinds of opportunities. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. my projects will generally last a minimum of three months. Um, if not, if not longer. So that means that my throughput of, you know, number of customers I'm working with for years, eh, just getting into double digits maybe. Um, so how many referrals am I going to have, you know, in that amount of time, that's going to be, you know, a big platform purchase for an organization. So having partners that are patient enough to let you work through that, I think is really important, um, that they're willing to do some co-branding, some events, some conferences, some webinars, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, uh, blog writing, um, those are important. Um, and so that they understand what that's about. And then I think what, what that's resulted for me in this year has been, um, I would say at least 30 to 35% of my new business this year has come as a result of those partnerships. I've had, I've had a number of new pro projects that have come on board through it. So it's been, it's been gratifying to see that, uh, that actually work out. That's great. And I feel like sometimes I just as a purchaser of a software or something where maybe they refer out, they say, well, hey, here's the platform that you decided to buy and here's someone who can help you with it. Sometimes it doesn't feel like I've already made the software decision or I've made the platform decision. And so that I feel like the referrals coming that way probably wouldn't have much conflict of interest because, no. right? yeah, they've already, they've already picked the platform right, and right. you just help it implement and I think most of the platforms that I work with, like, well, all the ones that I work with and, and most that I've run into, you know, out in the, the, the digital world out there, um, have a pretty mature understanding of like, hey, if somebody's trying to hard sell you on my platform and it doesn't work out for me, I'm not going to stay a customer anyways. Exactly. Um, yeah. A lot of them prefer longer term thinking. They want customers they are going to renew with them for many years. And particularly with communities, you don't want to be making a lot of jumps between different community platforms. Like you don't want to go from Slack over to Koros or, you know, to Mighty Networks because there's data migration issues. There's um, churn with your users that, that have joined the community and they get used to the platform the way it is. Um, so that the change management and the data management from all of that gets really hard. So you don't, you don't want to make a lot of those changes um, over time. That makes total sense. And so that that sounds like a kind of big uh, question mark of like, how do you work better with partners? And it sounds like you're well on your way to figuring that out. Um, you made a lot so. of progress. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And uh, and I, I now, you know, if somebody visits my site, you can kind of see I've got a partner section where um, the way that I've done it on my terms is I've, I've got platform partners, I've got services partners, and then I've got some specialty partners that I work with. And for each of them, I write about them. 
on the site. Like why, you know, why yeah. I'm partnered with them. And yeah. you know, I, I view my role as a strategist, uh, as kind of like a conductor of an orchestra. Like I need to, I need to know where all the instruments are situated and, you know, that I can bring resources to bear for any particular customer's need or use case around community building. And, you know, so that may mean it may be in one case, you need a public relations firm. Great. I have a partner that I work with on that. Or maybe you need a platform solution. Terrific. Maybe you need a moderation solution. Great. I've got, you know, some, some people that I work with for that. Um, and it, so I'm at least opening the door for them and helping them formulate the right questions, you know, for, for that. Yeah, so it's been very good you know, to, to work on that. That's been for me, the biggest growth area, uh, over the, mm. over the past year, year and a half. And the, for the next step, what do you see that being like, because you, you say, okay, we've got the partnership working, right? We, it's not, maybe not all the way there. Um, I don't know if you like to read or watch YouTube videos or podcasts or what, what kind of uh, content are you consuming? That's like, here's the resource there, the question I'm trying to answer to move to the next thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's certainly, you know, some folks that I, I follow really closely. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by, uh, Neil Patel and Gary V, you know, and some of the stuff that they do, um, even though they're not in the community space, they are, you know, Gary V for sure is a community builder, um, with the kinds of things yeah. that he's trying to do. And so I try to track to him. Um, I like, uh, I like orbit media out of Chicago. They do, they put together some really interesting stuff about, um, about data and analytics, uh, you know, for building spaces, um, but those aren't necessarily related to me growing the business. They're just more thought yeah. leaders that I, I pay a lot of attention to. Um, as far as as far as growing the business goes, um, you know, I think what's what's next for me is I'm trying to scale um, to to the next level. Like I've now yeah. I've now um, got the partnership ecosystem in place. I now have some uh, willing associates, you know, who are in, yeah. involved with helping me plan. I'm really in a business development mode right now. Like I'm, I'm yeah. now working at like, how do I, how do I systematize uh, the consultancy a little bit more and like when, and what I do um, so that there's consistency in delivery now that there's more than just me delivering. Yeah. And then how do I, um, how do I really start expanding my conversations and, and outreach you know, to what I'm doing? So I can foresee that um, the next big milestone for me is getting someone like Deb, you know, to, more of a full-time status uh, with me yeah, and maybe getting to the point where um, I can step up enough uh, from the business day-to-day operations. Not that I would stop doing it because I love doing this stuff. I'm never going to stop consulting on it, but um, but maybe at some point I'll have to bring in someone on the sales side um, to help do with, with pursuits, maybe even someone on the operation side, you know, to do, to do some things, but it's got to be organic. You know, I think, I think that's the only yeah. way to grow it. Yeah, I feel like if you, some people would say, okay, I'm going to build fixed capacity beforehand, right? I'm going to, and, and I can appreciate that where you're like, well, we've got to get the capacity to get the work sometimes, but it just feels like a slippery slope and you've got your bench, you know, you say, okay, we've got excess capacity to produce work, but the, the business development side is always, um, it's always an interesting problem, right? Like you can't solve it until you can provide the service, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a tricky, tricky one. So yeah, exactly. it's exciting to think about. Yep. So, I, you know, last question I always like to hear about is you've been doing this for a while 
And what kind of advice would you give to other agency owners? And I'd steer you away from new agency owners because a lot of times we say, okay, well, here's what I would say to someone just starting out. But a lot of our listeners aren't just starting out. They're in a similar place to you. So what kinds of things that are relevant now or things that you learned in the last six months would you share with an agency owner? You, you know, I, I think that it is essential. And I, I don't know that this is something I've learned over the last six months. I, th- I think it's something that I've carried with me through my career that's always put me, I think, in good stead, which is that you can't be afraid to keep reinventing yourself. You've got to keep, hmm. you've got to keep pushing, you know, um, just because you've delivered things this way and it's been profitable in this way doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. Yeah. And so I think you need to at least allocate some par- portion of your brain to challenging yourself and putting yourself in less comfortable kinds of situations. And I think for me, it's been more actively trying to embrace what the next chapter of communities is going to be. Um, Mm. Technologically, I think uh, there's going to be some really interesting things occur as a result of the rise of Web3 and NFTs and the impact that that's had on community building, because it has been a significant one. Um, there, there are a lot of Discord communities and WhatsApp communities that have grown up around uh, around just NFT trading. Um, and though even though that market has kind of hit its top of the hype cycle, I guess, uh, if you look at Gartner, it sort of maybe is a little past that. Um, what, what Web3 is promising with decentralization and the blockchain and, um, and really tokenizing achievements um, has and will have profound impacts on community. Mm-hmm. And um, and things like, uh, you know, let's ignore for a second and put aside Zuckerberg's meta, uh, metaverse. Um, there are a lot of things that are happening with uh, VR style interfaces, things that look like, you know, a first person shooter game like Fortnite, but, but they're more professional environments. They're designed for conferences or meetings or things like that. I think sort of that that next view of community is really important to me. And so, you know, as an agency owner, I've been pushing myself to be in those spaces and uh, and to at least understand, get my hands dirty with what it is. And I, I've always kind of thought of it that way. Like you need to play before you can put money in your pocket with it. And so I set aside a certain amount of my time to play and understand, you know, how to use these spaces. Um, you need to You need to have a liminal space. Um, for yourself yeah. in order to reinvent your identity and and to continue to be relevant to the marketplace. Yeah, I like that idea of play because it, it was interesting. I just got married in January. Hey, congratulations. And, thank you so much. And when I think about like if I had met my wife, I'm 33. And if I'd met her when I was 23, I don't think she would have talked to me, right? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a totally different person. Yeah. I like got really serious about church. Well, actually, I guess I got serious about church at 21, but still just a lot of changes, right? I dress differently. I probably talk similarly, but I was, was thinking about how in 10 years, uh, we'll probably be different still. Like we won't be the same people as when we got married in 20 years, 30 years, like every decade or some point of time, things are going to change a little bit. And just how an agency is going to be a little similar or a career that we're not the same. We're not in the same career 10 years from now or, or yeah, things change a lot. So that's a helpful tip for other agencies because it can be scary to say mm-hmm. this thing worked and we want to project. We want kind of like those 
Himalaya moments. We want to mm-hmm. say, well, we made X dollars last year. We'll make X time, you know, 1.3 X next year and 1.3 X a year after that. And it's like, well, that's not necessarily how it happens. Sometimes it's five uh, X and sometimes it's a negative 0.5 right. X or something. Right. Like it just doesn't I work. love that. Yeah. Well, Todd, I really appreciate you coming on. If people want to learn more about Clock Tower Advisors and uh, hear more about community building, how should they follow you or get in touch with you? Yeah, yeah. So uh, so my website is clocktoweradvisors.com. And uh, I do put up a, a pretty regular blog up there as well as news about uh, you know any kind of uh, podcasts or events or things that I've been on. So this one will definitely be up in the news nice. section uh, as, as we have that up. Um, you know, probably my primary social media watering hole or broadcast studio is LinkedIn. Uh, so if someone wants to interact, um, and get back, you know, hear, hear, hear me get back to them pretty much immediately, uh, message me there. Uh, I, I try to post things of interest, uh, up there. I'm not an, I'm not a shill uh, out there actively trying to sell my <laughs> business. I'm trying to share things that I'm passionate about with, uh, with community. And so I run a, uh, every other week on Fridays, uh, around, uh, 10 AM us central time, um, very slightly, but, um, but I, I have a live stream, uh, on LinkedIn, uh, it's called talk nice. about your community and it's, uh, any, any and all topics having to do with community building, uh, innovators in the space, uh, people that are building local communities, entrepreneurs that are trying to build out their communities, other community professionals like me who uh, you know care about the space and want to share their ideas. It's an open venue uh, for that and uh, love, love to have people join that. It is up on YouTube as well uh, on the Clock Tower Advisors channel and I'm looking to get Looking to get to 100 subscribers here before the end of the year. I'm I'm sitting at the just a little over 50 mark right now, so I'd appreciate any uh, any followers on that front as well. Nice. Well, Todd, thanks so much for sharing. It sounds like there's some great resources there, and really glad that you came on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Lance. Uh, I really appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to hearing uh, others and and feedback from today's broadcast. Yeah. And for anyone who's listening, if you uh, have a comment, feel free to reach out. You can go to agencyhacker.io. You can contact us. Or even if you think, hey, I'm an agency owner that should come on the show, then there's a come on the show link very subtly placed on the top nav bar. So you can uh, fill out the little form, come on the show. We'd love to have a conversation. Thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe. And if there's something relevant, even if it's just a clip, share with another professional that could benefit from this. Thanks. I'm Lance Johnson. Have a great day.